Welcome to the podcast, Don't Forget Me, about the life and times of Scott Stevens and the Cavaliers. Chapter 5. I'm going to admit it, okay? <laughs> For watching this, it's ever shown anywhere. I will deny, I will say it was fixed. But it was kind of, I was, my problem was, I really felt in my heart I wanted to call a couple of the guys black. But mm. they insisted upon using the word Negro at the time, and I was afraid if I ever called them. Steve and I have been trying to determine why I left the group. But We're Alan, sure. but Alan sure. Morgan just said it, why I quit the group, because we disputed this very recently. I do believe I did quit. Yeah, I do yeah. believe. Oh, yes, I don't think did. I was you, thrown out. You, no, you quit because oh, of the fact that, that we have a witness. We wouldn't go your way. You, you. It was you know, artistic, artistic. That's right. That's the truth. That's all it was. We wanted to do the stuff on the corner, and you wanted to do it the right way. We wanted to do do what, well, and you, you mm -hmm. wanted to do it the right way. Would oh, you yeah. say right or white? White way. No, I said the right way. I, I said the right way. way. Yes, I wanted to do it the black way, <laughs> which is true. I had this thing, and I was really pissed off that we had two white guys. You had more so. Even me. <laughs> that bothered me quite a bit. I wanted us all to be black. You had more soul than the black guys had. I guess so. Yeah, you know. Well, put that on my tombstone. I'd be proud of that one. I put on that more soul than a jelly roll. <laughs> <laughs> Even my uh, high school yearbook, what it said was uh, in music and art where everyone said, tis the music that gets us through and, and, and tis the word of God that uh, gets the spirit of music. And my high school yearbook says, move over Elvis, here I come. By the way, it was nice of you to put the numbers. Oh, okay. But you have three to yeah, 59 as the first one? And your second one's supposed to start at 62, and my machine starts at 225. Oh. <laughs> okay. So the old machines are different. CBS FM, the Cavaliers dance, 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 and they are here in the doo-wop shop. We have uh, three gentle, gentlemen representing the group. Uh, Steve Glazer. How are you? Who actually recorded under the name of Scott Stevens. Is that right? That's right. Okay, and we have Steve uh, Weil, is it? That's me. Okay, and Alan uh, Morgan, is it? Morgan, yes. Morgan. Uh -huh. Is it M-O-R-G-A-N? Yes. Okay. Uh -huh. like an A. But anyway, glad to have you gentlemen here. Glad and, to be here. And uh, the Cavaliers uh, played that record many, many times. In fact, uh, when uh, Steve uh, contacted me, he said he has people listening who tell him uh, every once in a while when he comes up here in the doo-wop shop. Um, Tell us, uh, you know, tell us about the uh, beginning of the Cavaliers and uh, the gentleman now I see before me, Alan and yourself were there from the beginning, and uh, so was Steve. Well, Steve was, was the uh, original. Actually, Steve was the original founder of the group. Thank uh -huh. you, Steve. <laughs> no problem. Um, we started. We started singing in a place called the Cedric Projects, which is in the West Bronx. But there was a group that preceded the Cavaliers. That was called. Were, the, uh, yes. Uh, we appeared on the original Amateur Hour. We were called the Satellites. Mm -hmm. well, tell, uh, tell us about the beginnings of the Satellite. How, how did you uh, pull the guys together, or who pulled the guys together that formed the Satellites? Well, that'd be Steve. I'll give it to Steve. Steve. Well, tell, tell us. Thank Thank you. Um, I you were the projects, as you mentioned? Yes. I came from uh, 1551 University Avenue, Central Projects. Okay. Um, and Steve, and Alan, and uh, Lloyd, and uh, John, who are not with us tonight. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so it was five guys. Five guys. Um, how, we, did you, how did you pick those five? Just kind of hang out together and one day say, let's do a group here? Uh, yeah, I guess <laughs> so. Uh, just about, yeah. I put words in your mouth. <laughs> no, just about. We wanted, we decided, Steve and I were sitting around one night and we said, hey, we could do this. And if Alan, you remember how it really happened, chime in. <laughs> we, we were probably the only guys in the project that could really and truly sing to tell you the truth. <laughs> uh, we, if we're going to get soul involved in this thing, I, we, well, I, we I have a problem. Mean, because, uh, you know, everybody uh, has this uh, illusion. Every good movie, every good story, every good book, regardless of whether it's a romance or a comedy or a thriller, doesn't have to be, you know, an Alfred Hitchcock movie, but it has to have a mystery. There has to be something in the story that you don't know that you're going to maybe find out about as the story progresses. In the case of these guys, there is a mystery. There's multiple mysteries. There's, you know, there's missing money that never gets really accounted for. And that is something that I talked to multiple people about with the music industry at that time. But I think the biggest mystery comes in the form of Steve Weil for a number of reasons. Um, you know, Steve is a, a very gifted young guy that Steve Glazer it's sort of forced to befriend and he ultimately is Steve Glacier's musical partner. He's his musical partner and he's the impetus that the two of them use to start the satellites. And the satellites is the early version of the Cavaliers. And then there's this fake book thing. I started reading about fake books. It's so interesting. Well, one of the people who come along in the story is actually Steve's younger brother. And he's there the whole time, but he plays a bigger role later on in um, the Scott Stevens story with, you know, his brother, it was Steve. So he also had a connection to Steve Weil. And while he comes up later, some interesting things happen with Steve Weil that Jerry was able to, shed a little light on and you know when i started going through the archival materials on this lo and behold i had steve's voice in here that steve is sort of both the mysterious character and and steve while while he's the mysterious character he's also sort of the tragic character in the story to some degree there's several like tragic arcs happening but but his story is one of the more profound ones. Uh, I mean, uh, we talk about it as there were guys on every street corner. Now, I grew up in Flatbush, Brooklyn. A lot of groups came from uh, around the area, but I didn't walk by every street corner with a group on it. I mean, to be honest, you know what I mean? There wasn't a group on every other street corner. No. Once in a while, there were guys singing somewhere. Well, that's why we wanted one in the Sedgwick Projects. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I, I, was, uh, I was attending music in art high school at the time. Right. And since I was the, uh, shall we say, the music maven, um, I conned, if that's a good word, <laughs> Steve and his brother into saying, uh, come on, let's, let's make a group. Now, what do we need? Well, we need a couple of black guys to get the soul, to get the feeling into this thing. Okay. And uh, I, I almost think, Steve, if, if, if I'm not uh, right, correct me, we sort of like took a poll as they came walking out of the building. Uh, there's Jackie which is Alan's uh, alias that he used to use, Jackie. How would he be? Let's try him. There's John. 
right? Steve, am I right or what? Yeah, I can't see you. Let's do it. And I said, okay, here's the role of the bass, here's the role of the uh, tenor, here's the role of the baritone. So you just second picked guys tenor. who came out just because... Of More or less. No, yeah, actually, we picked a few that didn't work out. There's Mel really and this one. No, no. Just, we no, gave it a shot. Uh, let's bring over. As a matter of fact, my brother-in-law, Stan, uh, my ex-brother-in-law, Stan, uh, we tried him out for the group. Unfortunately, he couldn't sing, so he became a cheerleader. <laughs> <laughs> but we actually, we started singing, we started trying out and practicing in a, we had a community center in the Center of Projects, mm -hmm. and that's where we uh, rehearsed in the hallways and uh, in the bathrooms. And it sounded and so we had Friday good night in those bathrooms, didn't and, it? Oh, it was great. <laughs> Even I sounded good singing in the But uh, when I left the bathroom, it uh, was not the same. Didn't work out, I but thought. this group did work out. You can almost, this sounds like I'm repeating this, but I'm actually, like, I've played clips and bits and pieces of this along the way. This is the, the completer version that I use where, where you've got uh, Jackie, uh, Steve Weil, and, and Steve Glacier talking. This is Don K. Reed interviewing them. It's an interesting piece of audio, but unfortunately, it's not actually audio. It's not from the radio. It's a camera somebody set up in the room to, to capture the moment. This is in the 80s. So this is not present day, and that's important to remember. But with these guys, there's this power dynamic at play between Steve and Steve, which it came to a head when when Steve Weil ended up transitioning out. Um, but, you know, I think it, it might be better if somebody else tells a little bit about Steve Weil and someone else that was close to Steve. So that we're going we're gonna to listen in on my conversation with Steve's brother, Jerry. This is his little brother. And then I'll pull like, what we have in the book like to drop in here. Did you know the Cavaliers? Like, were, uh, You said you knew Jackie. Did you also know like Steve Weil? Well, Steve Weil was the best man at my wedding. That's a whole other story. That's, that's, that's what I thought. I thought that's where we're going. And like, you know, it's hard to cover Steve except through, you know, your brother's eyes. But I am curious about him. Yeah. Uh, if you have anything that you would would want well, to tell me Steve, about it. Yeah, Steve Weil was an extremely talented guy as far as music was concerned. He went to the high school of music and art. I mean, he played several instruments, uh, saxophone, piano, uh, and probably some others that I don't really remember. Very, very musically talented. Thinking back, why they broke up? Because they, I, I'm sure Steve told you about uh, when they went on Ted Max's original Amateur Hour, and uh, that was the original satellite, and that would consist of my brother Steve Weil, Jackie Morgan, and Lloyd Needleman, who uh, those two were uh, the original part of the original Cavaliers. Steve left the group, and I'm not sure exactly why. I'm not sure if he quit or they kicked him out. And then I, we really got the real story. I have a little bit of audio with Steve Weil that's from the 80s. And he, that, I guess it's shortly after they sort of reconcile. And he, it's still up for debate what happened. Right. <laughs> it's like even to this day, like they both tell different stories of it. But they seem to be, be more amicable about it as they get older. If you would have been talking to them when it first happened, they hated each other. That's yeah. the part that I'm curious about because you actually became close to Steve. Yeah, very close. Very, very close. And I don't remember how that happened. Well, no, I'm, I'm sure I do know how that happened because 
after my brother got married and uh, I just didn't get along with his wife at all. Uh, she was a very contentious person, I might say. So we just, Steve and I didn't talk for a good number of years. Steve Weil and I became extremely close. He was, uh, actually, he was like a brother to me at that time. So he was, he be, uh, when I got married, he was my best man. My brother didn't come to my wedding. He wouldn't, him and Nancy, his first wife, refused, he said he sent an invitation, but he refused to come to the wedding. So, uh, so, so Steve Weil kind of took his place for a little while then. Absolutely. Absolutely. But um, Steve was uh, extremely brilliant in music and extremely smart also. It's a shame that he died uh, as young as he did, but uh, he was a, a very heavy smoker. He was a chain smoker, and that's what killed him. He had uh, lung cancer, uh, throat cancer, actually. Yeah, that's a that's an attribute people seem to remember about him as well. Was even very young, he was you know you could always find him smoking and playing yeah. a piano. The first year they moved to the Bronx, Steve never went out and made no new friends. He stayed home and he only ventured out to go to school or the library. One day there was a knock on his bedroom door. His mom was standing there, and by her side was a kid that Steve didn't know. Steve Weil was stocky. He was five foot seven with an unruly mop of jet black hair and a gravelly bass growl of a voice that filled the room. He said, you want to get the fuck outside or lie in bed all day? Those were the first words that Steve ever heard from Steve Weil. Somehow, his mom had scoured the neighborhood and found him a friend. They went up to Steve Weil's apartment one flight up from the glaciers. My parents aren't home, he said. Hey, you want a cigarette? Steve took a drag, coughed his brains out, and he never smoked again. At least not until weed came into his life, sometime in the 60s. Steve Weil is described as very talented. He went to music and art high school, playing the piano and sax, and he could sing. The bass voice of his was a Wolfman Jack Growl, if you've ever heard that before. Wolfman was a popular DJ in the 1960s. Smoking at the age of 14 probably aided and abetted the envied texture of the vocal rasp of Steve's voice. They started to hang out regularly. Gary Borden, who also went to music and art high school, was the third member of their tiny band of singers. He also lived at 1551. Most of their time together revolved around singing and writing music. Steve Glaser was the poet and wrote the lyrics. The music seemed to come along with it. But Steve Weil was a music maker, and he would write out the sheet music and play the piano. Steve Glaser was very shy as a kid, but much to his surprise, when they put him in front of an audience, he could only describe it as being on a high without the drugs. It was very addictive, and more importantly, completely legal. Steve and Steve wrote their first song together, Don't Forget Me. In those days, they didn't have a clue about copyright protections. They protected the song by first going into Manhattan. On Broadway and 52nd Street was an arcade with recording booths. It was also famous for being the pinball capital of the world. Steve and Steve went down there and for 50 cents made a crude recording. They mailed back to themselves registered mail. That unopened record still sits on a desk at Steve Glaser's house, unopened 65 years later. They became so adept at singing together that they performed at Jerry's Bar Mitzvah. Steve Weil on piano and Steve Glaser singing songs from a fake book. Their fake book contained over 200 popular and standard borrowed copies of sheet music from the 30s to the mid-50s. It cost about $100 even then. Somehow, Steve Weil had procured one, and they sang nonstop for hours. Their families loved it. And based on those responses, Steve and Steve decided to move ahead with their singing and songwriting collaboration. The two Steves decided it was 
was about time to form a singing group. The Sputnik had just been launched, and the obvious choice for a name was the Satellites. They began to scour their neighborhood. From the start, their only criteria was the ability to sing. No thought was given to color, race, creed, or sexual orientation. Can you sing? Let me hear. Good. You're in. Bad? You're out. The first person that they recruited was Jackie Morgan, a black kid living in the same Cedric housing project. Jackie was a member of the choral group at JHS 128, Macomb's Junior High School, with Steve Glacier. He became their baritone. Steve Weil was the bass, and Steve Glacier was the lead. Their first tenor was Lloyd Needleman. Lloyd lived outside the projects, but hung out with the community center crowd, and with the kids that hung out at the pocket park, tucked in between the high-rise buildings of the project. Their last member was John Duff, their second tenor. With the group formed, they began to officially have rehearsals in the community center. They sang in the bathrooms, the hallways, and their own apartments. The pocket park was a spot where they would give spontaneous performances of the latest new songs that they had written or whatever was popular at the time. Steve Wiles' mom was the group mother. She came up with a suggestion that they audition for Ted Mack's Amateur Hour. They had had heated discussions as to what songs to prepare and finally agreed on Little Darling, recorded by the Diamonds. That year, 1957, it hit number one on the national charts. The second song they rehearsed, in the unlikely event they might win and move on, was Come Go With Me by the Dell Vikings, which had also charted that year. The Dell Vikings was one of only three integrated groups in the 1950s. The Satellites never rehearsed a third number and never imagined that they would make it to a third win. They took the subway from the Bronx down to the audition. The line into the studio stretched down the block filled with magicians, ventriloquists, jugglers, singers, tap dancers, spoon players, comedians, fiddlers, smart dogs, talking birds, and a group named after Sputnik. They waited online forever, and then they finally were escorted to stage where they sang one song, Little Darling. The producer said they would let them know how they'd done, and the next day they got a phone call to come down for rehearsals the following week. When they arrived, they were ushered into the theater and worked with the band for about 45 minutes, and they were told that they would be on the next week's show, September 2nd, 1957. News spread like wildfire in the community. They had a fan club formed by one of the girls from the crowd, and they were in the audience for both performances. They were all very nervous. They got there and were ushered into makeup, a 16-year-old in a makeup chair about to go on live television. The estimated audience would be between 6 and 8 million viewers. I don't know if many people will remember, but Little Darling starts with a high falsetto intro. Steve was so nervous that he kept yelling, I can't find my note, I can't find my note, before they literally pushed him onto the stage. He sang the first verse twice. To the amazement of the group, they won. They won big time. Then they went back to the theater and rehearsed for their second performance on September 9, 1957. Come Go With Me by the Dell Vikings was the song they used. Each of them was given $75 in expense money for performing. When they came to rehearse for the second show, there seemed to be a bit of uneasiness between the group and the orchestra. Ted Mack was not to be seen at the first rehearsal. It seemed a little strained, but they got through it. When they came down for the next performance, they were told that instead of going on last, as all previous winners did, they would go on first. They thought this was strange. When they were introduced, Ted said, This group caused quite a stir last week, so we're going to do something a little different. They're going to go first. They sang Come Go With Me to wild applause and screaming by the fan club in the audience. The following act to perform was a 12-year-old trumpet player from Mexico. He was the winner of the amateur hour there. The kicker was, he had a translator with him, who was the son of the ambassador to the United Nations from Mexico. Mac must have spent at least 10 minutes interviewing him before the performance. The satellites were on stage for about three minutes, and as soon as they finished their song, Steve turned around to the group and said, We lost. Steve Wiles shouted, What do you mean we've lost? 
They waited anxiously at home, hoping for a phone call. Then they were called the day that they were supposed to come in for the rehearsal for the next show, and they said it was very close. But Steve and the rest of the satellites watched the next show from home, and Mac announced that the kid from Mexico won, saying, You see, it goes to show you what a true amateur can do. The satellites felt like he was accusing them of being too professional. So I went and hunted down the music, and I was surprised. It's hard to find the music in a in a usable form for both of those songs. Not like, anyways, I, I got the music. It's not them singing, but it is the music. Avalon's Venus. One through ten, there you have them. This song is not in the current top ten. It hasn't been in the top ten for several months, as a matter of fact. But as to great sounds and uh, an interesting song all the way through, with a little bit of humor thrown into, tongue-in-cheek sort of treatment. This, I think, is one of the fine all-time hits that we talk so much about. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, the Diamonds with Little Darling. Fantastic sound, isn't it?
And, and the movie and just the research in general was Stephen Steve won't reconcile for 30 years and then they do they reconcile um, but about seven years after they reconcile Steve Wilde passed away it's a jarring moment in the story to to realize that that friendship in some ways was lost and it comes back around later in the story you know we start digging into it a, a little bit more from the perspective of, I, I think that, I think that Steve Glacier made amends with that later, but, but I, I think that bothered him. I think that was one of, one of the points of the story, at least for me, trying to help him tell it in a different medium form. I, th I think that's one of the harder points of the story, the, the loss of Steve Weil. Uh, Steve Weil and Steve Glitcher being estranged was really hard on both of them. And I think that, I think it took Steve Glacier years. Writing idea, the idea of, of Don't Forget Me, the book, the, the podcast, the movie, whatever else comes out of it. I think it came from Scott Stevens and the Cavaliers needing a, a proper ending.
Thanks for joining us. This is Don't Forget Me, a podcast about Scott Stevens and the Cavaliers. Music and words are adapted with the permission of Scott Stevens and the Cavaliers. We hope you'll continue with us on the rest of this limited series and musical adventure. Check the show notes to find out more about Scott Stevens and the Cavaliers.